We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon. Do you know, here's the question, do you know what your unique, personal, God-given purpose is? How many could say, I know exactly what my God-given purpose is, my personal purpose? Can I just have you raise your hand up for a second? Okay. So I'm here, all of our campuses, help me out. All right. If you're ever asked, does God have purpose for us? I want you to answer this way. Absolutely. God has purpose, and he has shared that over and over in his word. In fact, there is a thousand plus references to purpose and God's plan that he has for us in our lives. In fact, this is God's declaration. His declaration is that we were created on purpose for purpose. Want to say that one time with me? We were created on purpose for purpose. Now, for someone, my, my circumstances, humanly speaking, you would say that I was unplanned. I was, um, I was an inconvenience. Or in fact, and back in the day, they'd say, well, I guess this is a reason that we're going to have to get married, if you catch my drift. For me to hear this declaration that I was created on purpose, for purpose, even knowing that, I tell you what, it just has this um, reassurance. It's this anchor point in my life as well as I hope for you and yours as well. Now, God has common purpose, that is purpose for all of us together. Bill talked about that last week. If you weren't here, I hope you'll go back and listen to those first couple of messages that set this up where we're going today. Then we come to unique. Common purpose is very important. It's what we can do together as a church. You heard about some of the things that happened during Serve Week and that movement that was going on last week. But this unique individual purpose that God has for us that's what we want to talk about today. In fact, here's the insight that I want to be able to just kind of lead with today. And that is when God says to us that we have personal purposes. Because at times we think, if I can find out what my purpose is, and we've limited ourselves, and we've got this monoptic vision that's going on, rather than going, God has personal purposes for us. And that's a part of opening up what it is that God has for you today. That, As I said, I am genuinely excited for you to be able to get and to experience in your life. So we all ask, how does one experience this discovery of purpose in their life? Here's what we've learned so far. Let's take us back through it real quickly. First of all, purpose flows from relationship with God. I just can't emphasize that enough to you. For you to know God opens you up to so much more and more purpose in our lives. When you trust and receive Jesus, there is new purpose that you are given at that point. As you grow in your faith, more and more purpose is going to be brought to you that way. Second thing, we've learned this, that we need to be living 
purposefully while pursuing purpose. For those of us who go like, I'm not sure what my personal purpose is. Not a lot of us were able to raise our hands today. Um, it was the same thing that was true last night. So if I'm in this place, like I'm not sure what God's personal purpose for me is yet, I can still get up Monday and go to work purposefully. I can still in my family, I can love my spouse purposefully, I can play with my kids purposefully, I can live purposefully, which will set me up for discovering purpose. We then understand this, that God has even made us, he has shaped us for purpose. When we use the word shape, we're talking about each of us has a spiritual gift, we have this burden or unique desires within us, there's abilities that God's given to us, we have personality, in fact some here <laughs> you got a double dose of personality for sure. There's experiences, both good and bad, that God's given to us. One of the cool things that Growth Track does is that it helps us, and one of our, again, it's our stated vision here, that we would discover purpose, and Growth Track will help an individual to be able to do it. One way is it exposes you and it takes you into what is my spiritual gift, heart, abilities, and so on and so forth. If you haven't been to Growth Track yet, I always encourage people, then make the first step right now. Grab a communication card. There's a little box on the back that says Growth Track. If you check that, give us a contact information on the front. We'll let you know the Growth Track opportunities that are going to be going on in September. We'll communicate with you, and you will take another step toward this into purpose. Now, that's what we have learned. Today, we want to do that fourth step in discovering purpose, which is this that we want to act on purpose as God reveals it to us. In a moment, we're going to take the scriptures, but before we do that, I want to invite you into this prayer, simply asking God to help us with this personal purpose. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, would you please help every single one of us to understand and then to know what the unique personal purpose that you have made us for is, and that we'll be able to say, I was made for this, and all of the blessing that will come as a result of it, all of the glory that will come to you as a result of it. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody in agreement said, amen. If you have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to take it right now. We're going to turn over to look at an example, an individual who discovered their personal purpose. There's many such examples in the Bible, but we're going to use Esther. She has a book after that name. It's found on page 710 if you're using the Pew Bible today. As we go to Esther chapter 4, here's a couple things that you'd know right away. We know exactly when this took place. It was 473 B.C. We also know this, that for the past 93 years, Israel has been in captivity 93 years earlier, the, Bab the Babylonians came in, they conquered Israel, and they physically removed them from their country. They relocated them. Since that time, the Persians have now overcome the Babylonians, and so Israel is under Persian rule or control outside of their country. The place this takes place, Persia, but specifically it's in the capital city, which is Susa. The king at this time, his name is Xerxes. And we know a lot about Xerxes in history. Powerful military leader, but even a greater builder, which added to the magnificence of the Persian Empire at this point. In fact, it was the greatest world empire at this point in history. Something else we learn, 
Even back in Xerxes' day, 473 BC, people had trouble keeping their eyes open during a picture. <laughs> Some things just never change, do they? So we're looking into Esther, and you've never read Esther before. It's short. It is a page-turner. I really want to encourage you to do that. If you have read it, I'd still encourage you to read it this week. I think it's just going to fill out a lot of what we have to say here. For those that haven't, let me just give you the cliff notes. No spoilers included this way. As we start out in the book of Esther, you have chapters 1 and 2 when Esther becomes the queen. In chapter 3, Haman, the really the protagonist here, the evil Haman and his plot to exterminate, have a complete genocide of all of the Jews takes place. Chapter 4, we have Esther. She's going to wrestle with personal purpose in her life. We'll be able to connect with that, I think. And then in chapters 5 through 10, here we see what it's like for an individual to be acting on or stepping in to their purpose. So that said, let's open up to chapter 4, and we're going to step in specifically to what's taking place right here. Look with me in verse number 7. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain to her, and he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence and to beg for mercy, to plead with him for her people. Hatak, the individual that Mordecai has been interacting with, went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Mordecai, by the way, is Esther's cousin. She then instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman to approach the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, and that they will be put to death unless the king extends the gold sepulcher to them and spares their lives, which, by the way, rarely happened. She goes on, but 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? But you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I'll go to the king. Even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. And again, I want to encourage you to put a bookmark in here so you can go back and reread this. Which, by the way, if you don't happen to have a copy of the Bible, then take the one that you've got in your hands, bookmark it here, so that you can go back to reread this and let these details kind of open up what we want to share right now. Which are, there are five timeless, personal purpose principles that God has for us. Now, you say that three times, personal purpose principles, and see how tongue-tied that you get. I want to encourage you, um, 
whether or not you normally take notes, um, I think it'd be really worthwhile if you just grab your handout, take a couple of notes today. One, because I think you're going to go back and to revisit these principles in your life. Two, I think there's going to be a lot that you're going to want to talk about with a friend or be able to help other friends out in the future with. So the first principle that we see is this, that your personal purpose may be something that is yet to be discovered. With our Bibles open in front of us right here, 473 B.C., if you want to write that in the margin, Prior to that, did Esther know what her personal purpose was that God had her in this place for? The answer to that would have been no. For those who couldn't raise your hand earlier, there's a lot of us that couldn't raise your hand earlier. Like, I don't know what my personal purpose is. And you know what? That kind of freaks us out. We're going like, shouldn't a person know their, their purpose in life? Shouldn't there be something that I'm, you know, going after? And we begin to wonder, is there something wrong with me? And like, am I out of, you know, alignment? Or is my frequencies off that I don't know what this is in my life? Or God hasn't showed this to me yet. What's wrong with me? And the answer is this, nothing. It may yet to be discovered. I thought about when I felt the call to come to Waukesha, 1985, brought my family here. Do you think that I knew the personal purpose that God had brought me for, which is a starting in Fox River with a group of others here in the year 2000? I didn't know what that was. It was something that was yet to be discovered. For so many here, you're in the yet-to-be-discovered mode. Don't lose hope. And for those of you who know, I want to remind you this. Remember that God has purposes for you. So to think that I know my purpose and therefore I don't have to have a sensitivity to the, you know, to the spirit of God, to his promptings in my life. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Because there are more purposes that God has for us as well. Yours is just yet to be discovered, it's coming. Second principle is this. Our personal purpose may arise from difficult circumstances, or if you want to put the word in here, suffering. Esther's in a very unique place in her life right now. Her personal purpose is just birthing in front of her. But she wouldn't be where she was in 473 B.C., were it not for the fact that her parents had died years earlier, or both of her parents had been killed. It means that she had become a foster child. Mordecai, the person that was mentioned earlier, her cousin, he actually had to take her in because she was a homeless child at that point. There came a time that Esther loses her personal freedom. This is a wild part of the story. The king Xerxes gets hacked off at the old queen, and he just gives her the boot. So then, once he's done that, he's depressed because he's done with queens. So the counselors get together and they say, what are we going to do? Hey, let's do this. Let's do a great beauty contest. We're going to take Ev, you know, all the beauties from Persia, and we'll bring them. And the king is going to be able to select a new queen from that. And they're like, that's a cool idea. Let's go do it. Obviously, this was men who came up with this plan, right? <laughs> so that's what they did. 
All of the beauties of the land, and Esther happened to be a beautiful woman, all the beauties of the land were selected and they were brought for the beauty contest. Now, here's the deal though. The person that won the beauty contest, she gets to be queen. And everybody else, second runner-up, all the way down, they get to get put into the king's harem as a concubine for the rest of their life. If you're not sure what that means, look it up. <laughs> Esther's dream of having a family of her own, having a Jewish, you know, fan, it is stolen away from her. Now, she does become queen, but at great loss. Her marriage you can say her marriage to Xerxes is a less than ideal marriage. You may find yourself in a less than ideal marriage now, but it is a part of what's all going to come together. And then we have this, that their lives are being threatened. Esther's life is going to be on the line. All of her relatives, all of her friends, all of her people has a tremendous amount of angst in her life. There's a promise that God gives. It's found in Jeremiah. I'm going to ask you to read it with me. Ready? All of our campuses, please. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, and not to harm you. Plans to give you, and a, how many have heard this promise before? Yeah, a lot of people are like, this is a really popular verse and promise of God. It's used and given to so many people in time of need in their life. But did you know that God initially gave this promise to his people Israel when they were going into that captivity I told you about? It was at the front end of it. He had told them through the prophet Jeremiah, you are going to be in captivity for decades to come. But here's the promise that I have for you as well. Some today, we are in a bad place. Maybe it's the circumstances you find yourself in. Maybe there's suffering that you're going through. Maybe there's pain that is in your life. Maybe you're just like in this place of confusion, like, God, how can all of these things be happening and coming together in the wrong way? You know, it's the perfect storm that's going on in your life. In fact, how many are in a place like that? How many got stuff going on? It's like, this is just painful. It is hurtful. When you find yourself in that, let me just encourage you, even before you go, you know, come on down. Let one of our prayer team members just, just pray with you about that for grace and remind you of this, that God knows. He knows what it is that you're going through. And he has purpose for you still these circumstances aren't saying that God is like you know I don't want anything to do with you rather they're setting you up for new personal purpose that God may have birthing in you that you just haven't discovered yet anybody hear the name Dave Ramsey before Dave Ramsey financial peace university okay a lot of people Dave Ramsey has helped millions of people literally to be able to find financial freedom in their lives. But you may not know that Dave Ramsey's, the, the things that he learned about the principles for managing money came out of time of deep pain and brokenness in his life and his family as they went through bankruptcy. And at the lowest point of his life, 
he began to discover that God hadn't left him, and in fact, there is purpose still in his life, and today he's in a place that he's able to help and serve many. His personal purpose just birthed out of that. If you've never been through FPU, it's one of, the, one of our offerings that's going to be this fall. Check it out. Let's go to number three. We may need others' help in discovering our personal purpose. In fact, let me put it this way. We most often need others' help in discovering the personal purpose that God has for us in our lives. It was right in front of Esther, and she couldn't see it. It took her cousin, the one that had raised her, to be able to say, Esther, the very reason you are where you are is for this time. And she's kind of like, you think? (laughs) Like, really? We need godly friends, voices in our lives. If we're going to be able to discover this personal purpose that God has for us. And I just got to ask you, do you have them? Because if you don't, you may miss it, even though it's right in front of you. Others are going to be able to see it clear as day, but you can't see it yourself. And so whether it's listening to godly family, whether it's being a part of a group, and if you've never been in one, I hope that you'll find to be able to experience that. Other people that you actually just kind of, you know, you get to know them and you can help them and they're helping you. Really good question today is this. Do you have those people in your life yet? And can you name them? Because if you can't name them, it's like you don't really have them. And if not, that's something to begin to say, I am going to take intentional action to get the help from others, the voices in my life, They'll help me discover what it is that God has and wants for me. Fourth principle is that your personal purpose, when you do discover it, may be something that either scares or overwhelms you. When Jesus called to the disciples, take up your cross, follow me, he was an overwhelming thing. When Esther realizes what it is that God has for her, she is overwhelmed. In fact, she just says, would you fast and pray for me? This is so much bigger than I am. And she realized this could end badly. Personal purpose isn't necessarily a safe thing. I think it's rarely a safe thing. It could, in her case, it could cost me my life. But she also realized this, that personal purpose isn't just about me, but it affects others. And there's a second insight, I think it's really important for us to you know, just note real quickly, and that's this, that personal purpose also carries with it eternal ramifications. The purpose that God has for you, it's going to affect others, but it is going to ripple into eternity. It is so important that we don't miss it. And at the same time, to treat it with the gravity that it can carry. Which will take us to our fifth timeless principle. These that come up over and over and over again in our lives and the lives of others. And that's this. That our personal purpose is something that is going to require a surrender or obedience to God. 
The words surrender, obedience, they're synonyms one for another. But to ask, have you ever surrendered yourself to God? It seems like such a safe question. And at the same time, it's scary. I actually wrote, I wrote in my journal this week, surrender is scary. Because to surrender, it's requiring one of two things. It's either an absolute brokenness. You have been crushed by someone or something and you have no alternative. In surrender, there is no negotiation. Hey, I'm willing to do this. If you're willing to do that, no way. Or it requires trust. To say, I'm going to completely put myself under what it is that you tell me to do. You have to completely trust a person. Have you ever surrendered to God? Whatever, God. Kind of that blank check of life. It's crazy. But we're there so often. It's crazy to think that God is going to show us what the personal purpose he has for us in our life is if we're not even open to him in it. And sometimes that's the block of it. It's one of the reasons why this is just so important. It's this yes attitude to God. In fact, our next yes, literally, is the door to God's next working in our lifetime and in our lives right now. Let me give a specific, a pointed example that really works well um, for us today. Um, a little bit later, we'll have believers' baptism. We're going to have outdoor baptisms, and we may have them inside. But we're gonna, we'll have them uh, nonetheless. Jesus asks, Jesus, every single person that has received him as Savior to outwardly acknowledge it, to publicly acknowledge that you've trusted him through this one means. He did it with his disciples. He himself went through it as a demonstration for others. So all cultures, all places, all times in the world, he asked the same thing. Would you be baptized, be immersed with believers' baptism? Now, we don't want to confuse that with infant baptism. It's a different thing. In Acts, the scripture, we read, as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, so leader of a country, said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? So that's the question. Hey, can I get baptized? Philip, who's talking to him, says this, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He professed his faith in Jesus and what he had done in, his, in the cross and resurrection. But you see this one qualification for believer's baptism? Before you can get baptized with believer's baptism, you need to do what? You need to, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, you're like, oh, that's why they call it. Yeah, believer's baptism, which is why I said, I was baptized as a baby. It was a really important thing for my parents. But this is what Jesus asked of us. Now, once I understand that, so if I've received Jesus, he asked me to do this one thing. Is my response to him, yes. If it's not, for whatever reason, I'm just like saying, no, Jesus, I'm not going to do that. Here's what we see over and over again. When I say yes, then God opens up new and more for me in my life. Those who have been baptized, believers baptized, you ask them, like, when you got baptized, did you see God just kind of like open more up to you? Almost everybody I talked to says, you know, it's amazing how that happened. 
If you haven't said yes yet, I hope that you will. In fact, you can do it today if you want. As I said, we're going to have baptisms. Actually, we're having them on all of our campuses today. We're ready, whether it's inside or outside for that. We've got shirts, really cool shirts, just like this one. We've got shorts for you in case you didn't come prepared for that. But our desire is to help anybody to say their next yes. The question is this. Have you been willing to say, God, whatever you want for me, yes. And realize that that is going to be a means to discovering personal purpose. Now, here's why I said I am so excited to be able to share with you the things that we've done today because personal purpose is right in front of us. If you grab the list, if you're using your list, or if you just mentally put it up here, what is it that God has for you? Now, let me just mention a couple things. Like, if you're married, there is a personal purpose in loving your spouse that is something that you and only you are able to do. Will you? If you have kids, only you can be that mother, that father, to them that they need in their life. That's, those are personal purposes. But the things that God may show you, as I'm looking around today, I've got names and faces for everything here and I just had to cut it off after a while. But I'm looking out there and saying, some have found personal purpose in fostering. And I see the kids' lives that are being impacted by it. There have been some your personal purpose has been in adopting. And those children are here with us and some of them are grown already and they're leading incredible lives. Some, you felt the prompting of God to go and get a different degree because he has something more for you in your life and that's what you're doing and pursuing. Some have mentored students and are doing so right now. I'm looking at some of you. You've joined God and because of it, you're helping people to find financial freedom in their lives. You're helping marriages to get hope and restoration. Some of you are helping those that are going through or have gone through divorce to deal with that brokenness that it has brought into their lives. I'm seeing that some out here, you're helping those recover from a deep loss and you've been involved in grief share that way. Some are helping people to overcome addictions in their life and you just know that's part of that personal purpose God's given to you. Some work is different now. Not because work is your purpose but you know that God has you where you are doing what you're doing because that's your personal purpose. Another purpose is some it's in this means of resourcing. Some, it's bringing hope into your neighborhood. Some, it's rescuing those that are in traffic. They're being trafficked right now. And the lists just go on and on and on. And in every one of those, when they have stepped into that purpose, they have found this working of God and meaning in life. If you're not sure what 
to put. Maybe you've got one or two things, but you know there's more that God has for you. Can I encourage you to do this today? Can I challenge you? Would you write yes? God, whatever it is that you put after it, the answer already is yes. That's going to take a tremendous trust in God. A trust in the Lord who's given himself for us. Maybe today, your step into purpose comes in receiving Jesus. His death on the cross and his resurrection, it has provided everything we need to be brought into a living relationship with God and to have the forgiveness that we don't deserve in our lives. And this prayer, it's a threefold prayer today. How's that? I'm going to pray. God, help those of us that know our personal purpose to have more grace in doing it. I'm going to pray, God, I'm not sure what my personal purpose is. Would you show me? Because the answer is yes. And I'll pray, Jesus, I am ready to trust and receive you. And whatever part of this prayer you go, that's where, I, that's where I'm at. Then step into it. And I'll just have you acknowledge it as we go along. Would you pray with me now? God, thank you that our lives are not random. And in fact, you have given to us, Jesus is a part of life to the full, a unique personal purpose, something that we were made for and something that you have been at work in our lives preparing us for. But those of us that know it, please give us more grace to live it and to see if there are more purposes that you have for us. If that's your prayer, just lift a hand right now, guy. I know mine and I'm praying for more grace in it. Jesus, there's some of us, we don't know what our purpose is yet, but we're just asking, would you show it to us? And if you will, we'll step into it. How many of you say, that's my prayer. Lift your hands up and lift them high. Yeah, that's a yes. And finally, Jesus, I'm ready to trust you as my Savior. I've never done it before, but today, I want to put my faith in what you've done on the cross to be everything I need for my salvation and for relationship with God. How many like that? Just lift the hand and say, guy, today I'm ready to trust Jesus. Yeah. Just wave at me a little bit too. Cool. Thank you again for saving grace, Jesus. Thank you for the purpose that you pour into us. And we pray these things in your mighty, mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.